To the Off the Tips podcast, we're back for our third uh, major preview with the US Open at LACC, just around the corner, starting at the end of this weekend. Back on the pod after after a hiatus, after a week on the operating table, is AC. How are the Nashes, mate, and, and how's morale? Morale's good. I must say, I was looking pretty bleak. Uh, last week I was absolutely battling. I, it's done now, though. For those that don't know, I got my wisdom teeth out, and for those that have had it done, the first kind of four days afterwards are pretty tough scenes. A lot of soft food. I don't like soup, so I was really struggling with that mashed potato every night for dinner. It was. I'm pretty keen not to have mashed potato for a, like a month now, um, but. Apart from that, I'm good. Like, hey, there's a lot worse things that you could be having surgery on. Yeah, that's true. Were your up and go numbers pretty high? Didn't touch one, eh? I I don't drink up and oh. go. Oh, interesting. Well, I you probably don't eat mashed potato every every night for dinner normally, but you know sometimes your condition might have forced you on them. But yeah, how was your, how was your weekend coming out the other side of the wisdom teeth? Just Get back it was out. Good. The... Got out. Yeah, got out for a round of golf. Just again, I've harp on about this pod, but the ball striking is just horrific. Once I get inside about 120, I'm pretty, I'd say, competent. But outside of that, I just feel so off. Like the middle of the face is just deluding me. And slow starts. I don't play enough as well. Like I'm regularly at my. I'm always at my handicap by about the fifth or sixth hole. And then I kind of fight back and end up three or four over the handicap. That's kind of the story of my golf. What about you? Did you get for, get out for a hit? No, I was, I was planning on getting out for a hit this weekend, but I've been, if you probably couldn't tell this, is I've been crook as just pretty bedridden, which is a shame because it's a, it's a long weekend. I've had the day off today and I had full intentions of, of getting out there, but fuck, I've just been, I've just been no good, but I can feel myself coming out the other side, but I'll, I'll sound na- more nasally than I, than I normally do. So, hey, hopefully... Hopefully a round's not far away for, for me because it's been it's been a big hiatus. Yeah, it'd be good to see you back out there. Not that I'll see you, but I'll hear about it, that's for sure. Always one to give a good rundown. Yeah, for sure. Just talking of rundowns, how how's the packing going? UK just it's getting scarily close now. It's just it's right around the corner. Mm, yeah, last uh, sorry, last week of work. Sorry, I'm really trying to bust through it all. I did quite a lot on the weekend. I want to have a full weekend of just watching the golf, getting plenty of reps in. I just I want to get that packing out of the way so I can just park up, watch the golf, watch the ashes, and just have a a chill weekend. Is there a, is there a shindig on the cards uh, on Friday or Saturday? Just a a few tiles. Maybe a couple. I've been really battling. I've been feeling pretty average for a while now and just I'm pretty keen not to drink and just see if I can 
get up to 100% before I go. Oh, yeah. The boys need to man up a bit and start getting back into the into the piss fitness side of things. Before we briefly go over the, the Canadian Open and the, the Scandinavian Mixed, I'd be interested to hear your thoughts on, did you listen to the podcast last week and how did you think TZ's debut was? TZ was great. He's got a great chat, had some great yarns. He just seems like he's one of those guys that knows how to talk some shit. Um, I can see how you two are good mates. The one thing yeah, I was I... critical of of the boys was not uh, talking about Tom McKinnon's kind of Tom McKibben, sorry, his background. I thought uh, it was a bit of a miss by the boys, but hey, I, I'm throwing stones in glass houses. Well, how about you just give us a little a little brief over Tom McKibben? Because after you told me told me the the rundown of his of his kind of life and career, I I was like, oh yeah, the, the boys have missed the mark there, and as a esteemed golf media personality, I probably should have been all over it. Yeah, so he hails from Northern Ireland. Um, he He's also from Hollywood, which is where Rory grew up, which is about a town of 10,000 people. So to have produced Tom McKibben and Rory, um, that's pretty incredible numbers in itself. And the fact that... Rory's kind of mentored him a little bit since he's known him since he was about 11 and he's basically won his first tour when I think Rory won his first one at 19 and Tom's won it at 20 so like if he's anything close to what Rory is which I don't think he is like he didn't have the the boom on him like Rory but it's still quite an exciting prospect yeah and you were telling me Rory stayed up all night and, and watched them come home, so obviously have a pretty good relationship. Yeah, I think that would have been the morning before Rory teed off, you'd think, eh, in America? Yeah, yeah, it probably would have been. Not that time yeah. zones are my forte, but... <laughs> so I think, yeah, I think Rory basically got up and watched the whole round before his round at, last round at the Memorial, uh, which didn't go well for Rory, but anyway... No, and not a great final round for the big fella this week, but I'm sure we'll touch on that later. The Canadian Open, it, what a what a final round of golf it was. It was uh, Nick Taylor, his third win on tour, the first Canadian native to win since 1954. Held off Fleetwood in a in a playoff. Uh, it was it was pretty dramatic, and it was really enjoyable. I know. These this event isn't what we've come to talk about, but we'll we'll get a couple of minutes and just briefly go over what happened. AC, d- did you catch the final stretch of golf this morning? Yeah, I did. It was it was a really good change because obviously there's been a lot of news in the go- about golf this week and not really a lot of bickering and shit talking. So it was nice for the golf to actually take center stage for for a day. So. Yeah, it was. Whenever there's a long playoff and a tight finish, it doesn't matter what golf event you're watching, it's good viewing. And I felt the crowd was just pretty raucous. They were obviously heavily in Nick Taylor's favour. I felt a bit sorry for Tommy Fleetwood. He was kind of getting cheered when he was missing putts and stuff. And 
it's obviously nothing personal. Tom Tommy Fleetwood's a great bloke, but the crowd was in the Taylor's corner, and luckily for him, he drained an absolute, I think, 70-footer. It was some absolute scenes on that 18th green. An absolute diabolical golf hole, though. Yeah, probably the the best scene from from the Nick Taylor hole in the putt was his great mate Adam Hadwin steaming onto the onto the D floor with, with some champagne going to spray spray him, spray him with it. And then the security guard just busts out off the left and just meets him and and floors him just completely just. Tavita Pangai Juniors him and, and, and sits him on the ground, which I thought was just some of the, the best TV I've seen in a long time. Oh, God, it was funny. Twitter was just going off, and there was I saw probably 15 different views of it as well, which made it even better. Just things you'd love to see, just a bit of just commotion on the 18th green, and <laughs> geez, the a- Canadians were just up for that. That security guard must be feeling like such a half-wit right now. I don't want to be too narky on Tommy because he did birdie 16 and 17 to give himself a chance, but he'd birdied 18 the first three days and makes a pretty scratchy par to be in a playoff. But it would have been great just to see him stand up there, birdie it, win it outright, but it wasn't to be. And to be fair, he got beaten by... Jammy's a bit unfair, but, you know, they don't go in very often. So another good week for him. And hopefully just uh, he just needs to get one over the line. Yeah, he does. And oh, I we've been saying it, uh, LACC is probably a course where he's going to he's gonna thrive. But have you got any other nuggets from the Canadian Open or should we, should we jump ship? Jump ship, all good. Just the other two big things that went on in the world of golf, and we're going to have to point out the elephant in the room is obviously the merger between the public investment fund and the PGA Tour. We're not going to go into it at any sort of length because we know as much as everyone else knows that, that reads Twitter, but it was I was pretty rattled to wake up to it as – as were you, I'd imagine, AC. It was probably not what you were expecting. Yeah, that's spot on. The, it was one of those ones where immediately I was in shock, probably reacted a little bit emotionally, and then you start actually kind of working through it in your head, reading up about it, and there's a lot of false misinformation there, and I think it won't be as big a deal as what a lot of people make out. And it's also... There's so much to go under the bridge. It's got to get past voting. Uh, we've got to see how this all shakes out. So it's, I feel like there's not no real point talking about it until there's a lot of details that need to be filled. Exactly. There's just been – all it is is just a whole heap of speculation and depending on what kind of agenda the person has that's – that's sending out the information is it's it's hard to read into. So we won't break that <laughs> break that down today because that could be a a whole whole podcast in itself. And instead, we'll just briefly touch on what I thought was a really cool event: the Scandinavian mixed and over in Sweden, 
Dale Whitnell got the job done. His first win on the PGA or on the DP World Tour. Sorry, uh, for those of you that don't know what the event is, it's a mixed event with the LET, the Ladies European Tour, the DP World Tour. They just virtually play a stroke play event against each other. Well, all is one field, and it's it's awesome. And it's I watched bits and pieces, obviously, on throughout the middle of the night, as we say with a lot of these European events, but. From what I saw, it's just it's such a cool kind of kind of thing, and it really surprises me why we don't see it more often. I'd be keen to hear what you kind of th- think about the the system. Yeah, I definitely think there's room for I don't know maybe three or four more on the calendar, and you know PGA Tour had this kind of strategic alliance or whatever they like to call it with the LPGA, and we've seen basically nothing from it to help the LPGA Tour. So maybe a mixed event in that way would be something they can do. The I did watch a bit as well. I The one thing they didn't quite get right was the setup. Um, so I think it's cool, cool to see the women and men actually in the same groups because, correct me if I'm wrong, I'm pretty sure the Australian version they did, they weren't in the same groups, were they? There's, are you talking about the Aussie Open? Yeah. Well, the Aussie Open is a bit different in itself because they're playing for two different trophies. Trophy, yeah, that's true. So, yeah, like, so it's two different events running concurrently. But yeah, yeah, because they were were they not playing in the same same groups this week? They weekend were so in Sweden. So um. Lynn Grant yeah. was playing with Alex Norum when I was watching. And was it a little... I don't know. It's hard to know if it's a setup thing or not, but Lynn Grant was quite often ending up in the same place as Alex Norum off the tee, but she was obviously hitting... If Alex Norum was hitting a seven, she was hitting a six or a five. And so I thought it was slightly unfair. They just hadn't... Maybe they needed to pull the men back slightly more or the women a little bit forward because I it kind of looked that way on the leaderboard as well it was fairly male dominant but I imagine the more data they get from doing stuff like that the better the setups will get yeah for sure I think it's only going to get better and just it's just it's good to see that the European tours are taking a taking a bit of a leap in the right direction which is just great to see. And no, and no doubt that this event's going to be better in years to come. Mm. And I think I actually really um, admire the way the DP Tour, they're not afraid to take the odd risk with stuff, and they do try and mix things up. Yeah, ab- absolutely. And they kind of have to kind of be where they, where mm. they sit nowadays in, in world golf. We'll jump on to what everyone came to the pod for major championship week US Open at LACC and AC I don't think I've been this excited for a major championship particularly a US Open how about you it's hard to argue it's I can't remember this much hype around a major maybe St Andrews last year but apart from that maybe it's because we're following the golf a bit harder now but just the excitement and a little bit of unknown about the venue being at a place they haven't had it um before so 
Can't wait. Before we go into the nitty-gritty about the course and the setup, I just want to ask you, when you think of the US Open, what's your what's the most vivid memory you have of, of a US Open? Probably the first one I watched, which was Rory just running away with it eight-shot lead at Congressional in 2011. I think I'm pretty sure that was the first golf tournament I sat down and watched, like, basically start to finish. So that one's very vivid. And then probably, weirdly, the one um, at Olympic Club when Webb Simpson won and Jim Furyk kind of bottled it. And that's, I was about to say that. the I don't know what it was. Was he dressed as like a rooster or a, a bird? Yeah, or, yeah. <laughs> that, was, that was some rogue scenes. So that was probably the two. What about you? Well, I this isn't a vivid memory, but I come from like my, my dad, not a golfer by any stretch of the imagination. I remember being at home and flicking on the – the TV when Michael Campbell was coming down the stretch and that was probably my first introduction to kind of to golf and I was obviously very young I'd have been six six or seven but I I remember that uh just being such a big moment and I'm kind of glad I, I do have some sort of recollection of it and then apart from that I was I was the same with Webb Simpson, the and Birdman at the Olympic Club, but <laughs> also just, just um, twenty eighteen at Shinnecock as well. Just like the absolute scenes, of the golf course, like it was so hard. Phil scooped a scooped a ball that was still <laughs> moving, which was sick, and then just just Brooks being absolute. Nails. It was there was so much chaos going on. It was so hard, and I was like, "Oh, this is what it's all about." Yeah, that was a memorable year as well. I think was it that year when they basically like tipped water on the green, and it just wouldn't stay on there. It would just roll. Like I'm pretty sure there was some controversy. Yeah, it was slippery. The greens were ludicrous. It was. Oh, so good to watch. It was just like a proper boxing match. Brooks won that year, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, he did. Uh, and he's coming into this week in some form, but AC, just talk to me about LACC and, and what you know. Yeah, what I know is obviously an interesting one because there is a lot of unknown going, in, going into this week, but... Basically, the course was originally designed by George Thomas. Um, it opened in 1928. He's also known for Bel Air and Riviera, but uh, apparently the courses aren't that comparable. Um, one of the the only thing they really have in common is um, George Thomas like to he likes to have like a bit of a soft par five to start, and then always has a brutal second hole, which is a part always a par four. Well, it was definitely in the case of these three courses. The course was restored by Gil Hance and his team in 2010. He was also responsible for um, restoring Southern Hills, Brookline last year. So two major venues from last year also were restored by Gil Hance. I think what we'll see is a slightly different test to usual US Opens. 
the fairways are quite wide, so I don't think rough will be as much of a factor. In saying that, like angles are going to be a massive thing. Like if you might have to favour one side of the fairway if you want to get a good look at the pin. And the bunkers kind of, it, it sounds as though the bunkers kind of go into the green a bit, like giving it a bit of a sandbout feel. Yeah, that's kind of what, what I had had here is people have kind of struggled to find any form of comparison and because it is such a unique golf course and just at a glance, the bunkering is so deep and so daunting, but it's it's a shot maker's paradise and it brings guys who are going to think about their golf and mm. and play shots into the equation, guys like Cam Smith, Rory Fleetwood. But, yeah, it, it does have some sandbelt t- traits, especially the bunkering. It, the bunkering cuts into the greens, although it's – it's got like a, a cut of, of rough on the on the lips and the top of the and around the greens, which sandbelt courses obviously don't have. They're cut directly into the into the putting surface. But yeah, it's it looks awesome. It looks, as I said, unique and I really can't wait to see some golf around here. And I think another point to note is the fairways are quite severely sloped. So yeah, you might be on the fairway, but you if you're on one side, you might have a view at the green. Or you might be down below hitting a blind shot, even though you're in the fairway. So there definitely will be strategy to it. Like it's not like it's going to be all about just hitting the like. There's going to be parts of the fairway that are going to be much better places than other parts. So we're going to see some real strategic golf, and it's going to be a great a great week. Have you got any holes you're yeah, specifically looking forward we, to? The par three fifteenth is one that I'll particularly. Be keeping a keen eye on the off the tips boys. Obviously, fans of short par threes, and this is going to be one of the shortest holes in U.S. Open history. So that's one to keep an eye out for. What What about you? Is any kind of holes come across your desk that you that you're keeping an the eye sixth. on? The six is a great short par four. I it's drivable, but it's going to be fairly risky if you take it on. I could be wrong. But I think what we'll see is we'll see a mixture of guys laying up and going for it, which is all you want out of a short par four. If the strategy is clear, it's not that fun to watch. But if you see guys play the hole differently, it's going to be a great, great hole to park up and watch. I think the main question is, I say, is kind of who, who is this golf course going to suit? And let's just rattle off the four the four big guns and and think about how how it's going to fit them Scotty Scheffler, John Rahm, Rory McIlroy and Brooks Kepka. kicking off with Scotty Scheffler, it's going to be a tale of the last four weeks really if the if the putter sh- shows up it could it could get ugly like he could absolutely blow this thing apart but it's just the question of if that that putter shows up do you have any thoughts on on Scheffler other than that? It's it's kind of hard to add anything to that. It's the real narrative going around at the moment, but it's true. Like he's he averages two point eight strokes gained tee to green, and the next best is Ram and Rory at one point eight. So he's basically getting gaining four shots on them a tournament. So it's just all about that putter. If he's in the top thirty. In putting, he'll win. 
if he maintains what he's been doing ball striking wise. Yeah, it's it's pretty difficult to to add anything there. It's just it's like I said, it's the it's the tail of a putter, and we'll keep it short and sweet on Scotty because yeah, yeah he could just ball strike this to death, and, and just if he the, keeps it up with the putter, then yeah, he's going to be so hard to stop. Yeah, and the other thing with him, right, is he doesn't make a lot of unforced errors, unlike um, another guy we'll talk about soon. But he just he won't beat himself up apart from some missing some parts, but he's not going to throw it away. We'll move to to Johnny Rahm. Just I'm not sure what to make of him at the moment. After kind of after the Masters, it's I don't have a host of notes on on Rahm, but I just. I was more just going to lean on you because I I just don't really know what to make of his game at the moment. I think that's a fair thing to say. Uh, one thing I will he's only played four times since Augusta and one of them was a major. So most of the other guys have played five or six events. So I think it might not be, not that anyone's thinking it's bad, but I think he's right there. It's... He was T16 at Memorial, just struggled with the putter that week. That was all that went wrong there. Second in the Mexico Open, T15 at RBC. And he would have had plenty of Masters fatigue that week, being the week after. Obviously, T50 at PGA Championship was disappointing. But apart from that, I don't think anything's... Like, he was on an all-time heater at the start of the year. The putter was hot, but I don't think... He's that far away from that. I'm just more interested to see what John Rahm turns up this week. And hey, if it's anything like the start of the year, it's going to be another man that could be super hard to stop. We say it a lot, and we it's like it's. But those three guys, Rahm, Scheffler, Rory, are consistently the best three players over the last kind of year. So it's. There's always a chance at any golf tournament they tee off, particularly Raman Scheffler at the moment. Yeah, and while we're at it, we'll talk about the other guy, Rory. Uh, his last two events, his final rounds, have been pretty concerning to me. Uh, a quality player like like him, though, is probably just flushed. But those last two starts, the way he's finished is just, yeah, not being very Rory like. I'm gonna speculate, and I'm no, I'm no gun golfer or anything like that. But what I see is he still, he still doesn't have that new kind of swing and grain. And what's happening is he's just getting into his final rounds and just you're just gonna you're gonna fall back on what's comfortable and just the habits just creep in. And he's just not as quite as sharp as he is for the rest of the week because we kind of saw it with Spieth, particularly when he was going through that. It's not. It's not like Rory swings broken, but he's saying he he said at Memorial that he feels like it's still not fully kind of embedded in his game, and I think that's just what we've seen the last two final rounds. I don't think it's anything more than that. It's not mental. Well, it's mental because he can't quite trust it yet. That's a quality analysis, uh, and one that I <laughs> I really can't add anything to in, in, on that department. Other than I 
I really like this golf course forum. <laughs> so I just, <laughs> I think it, <laughs> you've gone down a, a road, you've turned, you've turned into Brad Faxton or <laughs> Butch Harmon and I've, I've just uh, looked look like an absolute rookie. But yeah, I, no. I like this setup for him and there's no doubt that he's going to be right up for this. Yeah, and it's funny how, like, the narrative, you know, Rory's finished T7, T7, T9 in his last three starts, and people were kind of acting like he's kicking the bucket. Like, he's he's not far away. And I'm just – I'm not a golf swing guy. It's not, yeah, I don't it's not know. panic stations. Yeah, I'm not a golf swing guy. I, literally out of the horse's mouth at the Memorial, he's like, I feel like I need another two weeks on the range to get this set in. And I just think that's what we're seeing in the final round. So – it's it's what Rory said. I'm not uh, being a swing coach here. <laughs> yeah, I'm just, just having you on. But uh, the the most recent major champion, Brooks Kepka, comes to LACC as deservingly one of the favourites. Uh, for him, you just for me, it's he's a guy you, you just can't rule him out, but. It isn't kind of a layout that would suit him on paper. Is that kind of a fair assumption? Yeah, I think it's not. I was thinking the same thing. It's not a layout that suits his strengths, but you know he's not going to make any mistakes mentally, and so you know he'll be there. Even if the golf course doesn't suit, he'll have that mentality that he always does when he goes into majors that there's not many people that can beat him. I think you're bang on with the setup thing. It, yeah, it doesn't yeah. seem like a Brooks track. No, it doesn't. It doesn't at all. He's kind of a he's a tight fairway, thick rough, bang it out to the middle of the green, par, walk off, do it again, kind of mm-hmm. birdie the par fives. Whereas here, not that not that I'm saying Brooks can't be a creative golfer by any stretch of the imagination it's just it's the courses he's won at that is that's just not the kind of golfer that that wins around them and that that's fine he's he's won five major championships like he he can get it done in these big events but yeah just to the eye and and the design just it doesn't for me it it doesn't suit Kepka. But he's proven me wrong already once this year, so it wouldn't surprise me if he did it again. So of those four, who who are you looking towards? Are you going to two or three of them? It's so hard to say. Uh, I think I'll punt Scheffler, and I think I'll punt Rory, but... I'm not. I regretted not hedging with Brooks at the last major, so I could, I could be swayed that way. I think I'm going to leave Ram out this week. What about you? I have to have Brooks. I'm not too sure. I think I'll try go one of Scheffler and Rory and leave out Ram as well. But I, it's, you don't feel good doing it. Nah, nah, I've I've lost it, lost a little bit of confidence in my punting recently, actually. So, uh, yeah, and, and you know what that feels like. It, it's 
it's like losing your confidence around the greens. You just don't. <laughs> you, you don't just, know where the next hoping. one's coming. Yeah. yeah, that's fair. Yeah. Uh, so, have you got any other guys you want to want to discuss hitting that that you think's a a sniff this week, or you think they can play well? Yeah, so I kind of have a how many have I got? About four or five guys at that mid price range. Um, the first one I had was Cam Smith at twenty six bucks. It's a little bit hard to gauge how he's going. It, the live form's really hard to line up when they're not playing against the majority of the people they're competing against in the major. But a T9 at PGA, 65 in the final round, suggests his games is right there. And obviously with some comparisons made to the sand bout, there was also some comparisons in a pod I listened to, to Augusta and um, the plantation course. And obviously he's played well at all those venues. So... I do think it's a golf course for him. Yeah, that's – I had Cam Smith written down as well. I I also had Day and Scott. I just had the Aussies bracketed. I think two out of three of them, not sure which two will have have a decent crack this week. I, I just think they're all – well, not – well, Day and Smith particularly are so – Good around around the greens and creative geniuses and in Scott's case he can get streaky and it's not a super tight golf course and so and he's been bombing it recently so mm. I just think the premium ball striker he is it wouldn't surprise me at all if he got in contention he's been playing so well four top tens in the last kind of yeah. month just. Been there or thereabouts. Scotty's weird one in that he struggles to string four rounds together these days. It's kind of what holds him back. And it's that streakiness you talk about. And that's why I kind of have steered clear of him punting-wise. I did punt him at the PGA, but I just... I saw him play on the first day and he was he looked like he was going to run away with the thing. He was just flushing it. And then just kind of decide not to take part in the tournament for the rest of it. And I was like, wow, where'd that come from? So I'm going to leave him out this week. Yeah, that's that's fair enough. And it's probably rightfully so, I guess. But, yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised if we saw a couple of Aussies get in contention. Um, I've got a couple of guys as well, no particular order. We'll just go one for one. Uh, a guy that I want to talk about is is Ricky, Ricky Fowler. Uh, he's just building towards a result for me. I think another pretty creative guy. Uh, he's eighth in stroke gains approach. He's to the green. Uh, he's 11th total. He's 50th in putting, and he's, but, it's, but he's still in the green. And just one that's crucial for me that I, that I saw is he's 25th on tour and scrambling from the rough. He's just, he's also just super statistically solid across the board this season. And like I said, he's on the upward trajectory and just, I wouldn't be surprised if, if he plucked one of these off. Statistically, he's 
been unreal. I the one thing I feel like he hasn't done enough is had that kind of what's the word outlier of a week where the putter's got hot and he's actually been like in the thick of it. Uh, he it seems like a lot of kind of meaningless is unfair to say a lot of T15s where but he was never really a feature and I feel like I want to see him knock off a from a punting perspective I want to see him knock off a PGA Tour event before I entertain him in the majors yeah that that's fair enough uh but I think it's it's fair to say that it's a more exciting game when Ricky Fowler's in the mix Hey, another guy I had was our man, Tyrrell Haddon. Um, he's just, we talk about him a lot, but he's just one of the form players going around. He's third in um, scoring average this year on tour behind Raman Scheffler. Um, he's got data golf ranking of six in the world right now, and I don't think that's unreasonable. That's obviously based on strokes gained, which to me is actually probably a better reference point than um, world golf rankings. So he's playing lights out golf. He's had six starts since the Masters. His worst finish is T19. Um, he was T15 at the PGA after a 77 in the first round. He's had 15 starts on tour this year. He has 10 top 25. So he's, I just think he's like law of averages say he's going to knock something off soon. Do you think he's mentally there to win a major? Yes, I do. I the the on course commentators seem to think that yes, like he plays up a bit on camera and stuff, but he drops it pretty quickly. Yeah, that's fair. I'm not really referring to the the outburst and stuff. It's just yeah. If whether he he has that <laughs> for lack of that a dog term, that, that dog in him. <laughs> yeah. I think uh, he does, eh? But yeah, time will tell. He's I, an absolute dog. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. I, I love it. You're backing our man in. And hey, I wouldn't mind saying Terrell can contend at the LACC. I think it'll be enjoyable for everyone. Yeah, 29 I've got a couple more guys is like probably about right. Like I wouldn't want to take anything shorter than that. Yeah, fair call. I've got a couple more guys I I want to discuss. Just first of all, uh, we'll talk about <laughs> Max Homer, a guy, a guy I'm an unashamable fan of. So he's got a well-documented record around LACC. He's got the course record. That's, that's turned into Damien Cook being a beach sprinter sort of stat. Like... <laughs> It's chucked out all the time. Uh, but, hey, he, he knows how to play the golf course, although it'll be set up a whole heap differently in a major. But we set it before the PGA, set it before the Masters. This is just the next step for him. He needs to put a performance on the board at a major championship. And he's another guy that's a ball-striking machine. Just And his putting has been so good this season so with a bit of knowledge around the course it wouldn't surprise me to see him can contend here loves playing in california do you think you include him in your punts like if you locked him in 
Uh, I'll probably include them, yeah. I've already, I backed them uh, months ago on a futures, so I'm already invested. So I'll probably probably jam them there somewhere, yeah. I might not yeah. go as heavy as I've gone on the future, but uh, 26-ish bucks over here, It's I feel like yeah. that's pretty good money. Mm. Yeah, I... I've I got them about forty. I've got a futures ticket on them as well at about, I think it's about thirty eight bucks. But I can't take him at that price, just given his major record. I, it's a little bit like. I just want to when I'm betting, I want to see someone do something first before I punt on them. And like on, he said fifteen majors and his best finish is T thirteen, which is just unlike him and like that's clearly his best finish like he's he's really struggled apart from that so i just want like i want him to win i wouldn't be surprised if he won but i'm not gonna punt him just because i want to see evidence of it first yeah he's he can't go through his career being being that player i think he is way too talented and way too good to be a guy that got plucked off a few tour wins but just did not feature at the four biggest tournaments of the year. I think it would be a crying shame. It's obviously still early in his career, but he it's getting to a point where he needs to kind of find it fairly soon. I have no doubt it will happen. It's just I, I think he... he he puts a lot of pressure on himself about it too because he knows his major record isn't very good and he just needs that one one week where he gets hot and I feel like a bit of weight will be lifted off his shoulders. Another guy who I had who I can't I'm not sure I'm gonna punt him, but at thirty six bucks for JT, I feel like this is a JT golf course. But he's just struggled to get everything anything going this year. He's only had two top 10s and 15 starts, which is poor by his standards. And he's just, a, but he's kind of compelling at that price for me. Oh, yeah. Uh, I, don't, I don't like JT this week at all. Okay. <laughs> That's just... fair. I, I don't have a lot to. He just I'm... hasn't excited me, and I just don't think, yeah. Do you think he's going to miss the cut? Yeah. That, when, when you sent me the message saying, um, I want you to make a call on a notable guy that's going to miss the cut. Yeah. I I thought Siwoo came and then I was like, oh, no, nah, he's about 80 bucks. I need someone shorter than that. And I was like, yeah. I think Thomas won't make the cut. Who Do you have a, a notable that you think will miss the cut? I'm going to go Xander. He's playing well, but he uh, yeah. just doesn't do anything for me. He's unbelievably short in the market. Uh, yeah, he is. Uh, before before we wrap up the player stuff, I've I think we just need to touch on a, a couple more guys. I had Victor Hovland written down here. Uh, not really much you need to say. He's at seventeen ish dollars. He was at nineteen last week as TZ was keen to put out. Uh, but yeah, just he's featured at these things. All year, and he's been yeah. Jeez, he's been 
He's been flushing it, and there's, he's a far more complete player than he has been in the past. So he's another guy that at seventeen bucks, like he he definitely won't let you down, and he'll be he'll be in the mix at some point of this tournament. Yeah, I don't know if I'm speaking for myself, but I'm pretty confident he'll be in both of our punts this week. He's it's just hard to see him not finishing outside the top twenty with the form he's been in. Hey, just on John Spieth's another one that I'm entertaining. Twenty six bucks. His ball striking's turned a corner. He's hitting the ball really well. He was fourth tee to green and second in driving distance at the Memorial. Again, a little bit like Cam Smith. Could be a kind of setup for creative players. It's just all about that putter getting going. And it always just feels like one part of his game's off at the moment. So, I don't know, he might just get lightning in the bottle and just has that week where everything's on and we might see Jordan back to his best. Fair point. I, to be fair, I completely went past him when I was looking, looking at the, at the tee tee sheets and the and the punting list. It just didn't tickle my fancy at all. But now that you explain it a little bit, yeah, like traditionally, it is a kind of a course that would probably suit a guy like Spieth. So if he's overcome that wrist injury completely, which it looks like he has, yeah, there's no reason why he can't compete. He's won one of these before. Knows how to do it, so yeah. And Chambers Bay, when he won, was a rogue setup that wasn't a typical US Open. It was a a new course, very different to LACC, I think, but kind of a similar sort of feel in that there was a bit of unknown and it wasn't a typical US Open. A guy that I put down here that just eye test wise, I was like, oh yeah, this is a Morikawa kind of setup. I I'd heard that he'd play well here before, but uh, when I delve a little deeper in his kind of his stats this year, it's just it's hard to it's hard to entertain him at the price. So I had him on my list of people I thought could shake this up, but. After I did a bit of digging, I was like, maybe I'll I'll steer clear of him. He's had four top tens in twenty twenty three. Super accurate and precise. He's he's second in stroke gained approach on tour, thirteenth total, sixth in driving accuracy, but one hundred and forty third in strokes gained putting, one hundred and thirty seventh in scrambling, one hundred and thirty fifth in sand saves, and one hundred and sixty fourth. And scrambling from the rough, like they're pretty bleak stats for a <laughs> two-time major champion. Yeah. They are. I was actually digging in as well, and the roguest thing is, is he's having his best year he's ever had on tour, strokes gained, um, approaching the green, and he's been those years where he was peeling off three or four wins a year. He was. Um, they were harping on about how good he was with irons, and he's actually even exceeding that this year. But the results just aren't there. And also, those four top tens you mentioned, I'm pretty sure three of them came very early in the season. 
Yeah, so it'll be interesting to see what Morikawa turns up this week. It's mm. it's a little bit like su- supporting the Warriors through the 2010s. You just, geez, you just don't know what's going to happen. But not now, though. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's a good comp. He's a re- yeah, he's a head scratcher. It's just it, you can watch watch him and he just looks like he's in control and then shoots two or three over and you're like, what the hell happened there? But it's the short game. Oh, that's what was going to help you score. Anyone else you want to add? Yeah. I think we just need to talk about Phil Mickelson. Just after Augusta, this would not surprise me at all. If 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 he features, it's he's a well-documented, like just one of the greatest short game players we've ever seen. It's ultra, it's, it's not a narrow uh, drive and gouge kind of golf course. It's a an artist, and you'd argue that there's been no better artist with, with club in hand over over the period of time than than Phil. It's just he's proven that he can win at a the tender age of fifty one or fifty two, and yeah, it just after what's happened over the last couple of weeks, this just would not surprise me at all if. Not necessarily wins, but is is in contention late in the tournament. What do you think about about that? I had Phil written down too. I, as a Smokey, I think he's just gonna be, he's gonna be so determined to spoil the party this week. I reckon he's just gonna thrive under the fact that there's a lot of people that don't like him, and obviously course fits well, but. He, I just think he's going to be up and about for this. It's just one of those gut feeling things. Career slam on the on the line as well for the great man. So, geez, if if he needed any extra motivation, and a hundred and fifty one to one, geez, just it just would not surprise me in the slightest if if he tries to disrupt golf more than he already has. Imagine him winning his career slam at this age in this kind of current climate with those sunnies on. Like, it would just be an unbelievable scene. Yeah. Uh, uh, if you thought golf Twitter was wild last week, it'd be <laughs> it'd be different gravy <laughs> if Phil won that at LACC. Yeah, have you got any other roughies? I thought our boy Min Woo might be worth a few coins, but apart from that, I didn't really see any too much value. I think the top of the golf world, top 20, is so deep right now that it's hard to actually see a Smokey winning. I know last major you said you thought we were due a Smokey. You got that feeling this tournament? No, not this week. Not this week. I think maybe... Maybe at Royal Liverpool, but nah, not not this week. I think a smoky, if you could class someone in that like fifty dollar range, I don't think anyone at at a more at more than fifty bucks will win. Yeah. I think even thirty. Like I think it's it's not gonna get, get real, Betty Curtis rough. I think it's gonna it'll be one of the premium ball ball strikers and it'll be it'll be a big time player I'd say I'd say I'd say we've named them that's for sure 
I like that. Before we wrap up the pod this week, team, we'll just quickly go on to some listener takes. I didn't get them up till late, so we've only got a couple to, to get through. Matt sent in when I said that the question was is US Open takes for this week. Uh, and Matt sent in an Englishman wins, Rose, Terrell, Tommy or Fitz. So I like it. I, I, I like the call. It wouldn't surprise me in the slightest, but hey, what see, what do you kind of make of that? Oh, it's four guys who are playing great golf. Fitz is obviously defending. Fleetwood coming off a, a tough playoff loss. Suits, course suits him. And Justin Rose, he's just playing lights out at the moment. He's 18th in data golf rankings at the moment. So he's getting right, like, not that far away from his prime right now. Jeez. What a world, Maybe we eh? can make a little... What a sport. Maybe off the tips can um, suggest like a little power play on the tab for an Englishman to win. Get yeah, well, DMs. maybe... Yeah, we, we could do that, actually, if the listeners... If that's what the listeners want. By the time this pod comes out, we'll only have about 24 hours, so... Uh, <laughs> yeah, let's... Let, let's let's get around that. And Frontline Golf said it's going to be tough to pick. But the three I think will be Scheffler, Hovland, and Fleetwood again. So a lot of love for for Fleetwood after this morning's performance. But hey, uh, look, I, I think if there's going to be a, a setup for him, like I think this is this is the one. Like oh, he could definitely contend at an open. But yeah, it, it wouldn't surprise me. But it goes back to the, what you said: is you kind of want to see someone do it first, don't you? Yeah, and even the way he finished today, he was just a bit squirrely. He's he's got all the ability in the world. I just haven't seen him really just take a tournament by the hands. And so, yeah, like you say, I'm just willing to leave him out. We've done a decent stint here, mate. Well, mate, this is this is a this is yeah this is a hefty pod. So. It'll be rude to not wrap it up. So cheers for tuning in, guys. I hope this gets you through your your work day and gives you a bit of food for thought heading into what's going to be a great major championship. And as always, just get behind us, like, subscribe, and and follow, and even flick us a, a rating if you enjoy the pod. But other than that, AC, enjoy the packing. Hope the mouth's recovering all all good, and it was it was great to have you back on. Cheers, brother. Enjoy the golf watching this weekend, everyone.